In an increasingly secularized culture, Christians discover that their faith seems to be attacked from every perceivable direction. Since the dawn of the sexual revolution and the advent of the information age, regular Christians are confronted with discussions and ideas that were once only reserved for the ivory towers of academia. Without the time or finances to devote themselves to graduate-level studies, many Christians feel helpless as they encounter believers discarding their faith and the youth of the church walking away due to intellectual and emotional doubts. If you identify, then the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is for you. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is written with a layperson in mind. In a simple and sometimes humorous fashion, I cover the essentials of Christian apologetics. The book builds a case for the Christian worldview by showing first the nature of truth, then constructing a case for the existence of God before displaying the amazing array of historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection and for the reliability of the New Testament. Be sure to pick up your copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics when it is published this December at bookstores everywhere just in time for Christmas. Once again, please consider purchasing a copy of my book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, due out at bookstores everywhere this December. Thanks, and God bless. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, coming to you from the Carolinas to the world uh, through through the podcasting apps. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host for the time we have together, yours truly, Brian Chilton. I want to remind you, as uh, the ad did at the very opening part of the podcast, that uh, my first book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, uh, is due out at uh, through Whiff and Stock. That's W I P F Whiff and Stock dot com. Uh, Whiff and Stock Publishers dot com. It'll be first be pu- uh, released there on the publisher's website. And then will eventually be released to bookstores everywhere uh, following after that. So it should be out sometime in December. I'm uh, and, uh, anticipating and waiting uh, to, for the official release date uh, when it will be uh, ready to go. And so looking forward to that. So it should be sometime December of this year. So coming up here in a few weeks. In fact, uh, I've been told by the publishers that the book is already in production. And so it is, um, it is getting very... Very, very close, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that's coming up. Looking forward to that. Uh, Thanksgiving is upon us here in a couple of weeks. Hard to believe. And then we're nearly one month, uh, just a little over one month uh, till Christmas. And so uh, 2019 is booking it. <laughs> 
it is uh, it is it is flying by uh, very fast, and um, and 2020 will be here before you know it. It's going to take me some time getting used to saying that uh, year 2020. So we're uh, <laughs> saw a meme uh, not long ago talking about how the 1920s were the roaring 20s, and uh, makes you wonder what type of the 20s uh, the 2020s will be. And so uh, very very unusual. But 2020 is going to be uh, hopefully a God uh, God uh, willing will be a good year. Uh, we're in the process of uh, doing some uh, big things in 2020, and so we're excited about that. And uh, and so just uh, glad to have you with us on the ride. Uh, I want to give you a brief, brief thing, and then I want to mention uh, some, the the main topic of the podcast today. I want to just tell you that you need to be careful about how much screen time you allow yourself and your kids to have. Uh, I heard recently uh, that uh, a woman in China uh, had uh, spent an exorbitant amount of time on uh, on her phone and had a lot of screen time playing games, checking emails, doing all these type of things. Well, she put, uh, anytime you're looking at screens, it puts a lot of strain on your eyes. And so uh, she had spent so much time on her phone that her eye literally burst. Now, it doesn't mean didn't mean the whole eyeball burst, but she had uh, blood vessels that burst in her eye, and uh, it, it caused blindness for a period of time, and she realized there was something wrong with her eye. So she went to the doctor, and they found that, um, had discovered that her eye had burst from the uh, excessive use of, uh, of the screen, uh, of her eyes on the screen. So... Be sure, I mean, you've heard a lot of people say limit the time your kids have on screens, limit your screen time as well. There's something to that, I mean, because this this can place a lot of strain on your eyes and can be, uh, quite honestly, really uh, bad physically. And I think sometimes mentally, too, because depending on what you're doing. And so just to to pass that word along to you, I found that a very, uh, very fascinating, intriguing and yet, some somewhat scary, uh, newsworthy item. Uh, just uh, like I said, to pass that along to you. And um, I think, no matter you know, no matter um, you, know, I certainly want to be praying for the woman in China. But um, even still, want, want to make sure that we uh, spend time. That's why I tell everybody. I'm I like Kindle. I like the electronic books. But there's something special about having the paperback books. I like. The handheld books. I like the paper books. Uh, I highlight the books. I'll write notes in the books. And so, yeah, you can do that with Kindle to a degree and uh, some of these other apps, but I, I prefer my paper books to the electronic ones. And so, it, my eyes aren't the best in the world. In fact, they're pretty bad. And it seems to me that um, paperback books are a lot easier on my eyes than, uh, than the ones on the screen are. So, uh, Anyhow, just passing that along. Want to uh, take some time today to uh, to discuss uh, an issue that has come up in uh, in Christian theology, and and uh, I've heard a lot about this, and so um, I'm, I'm not going to get into it deep. Uh, I want to uh, discuss the comments made made and. Uh, uh, by John MacArthur uh, towards Beth Moore. Now, I, I want to just, in full disclosure, tell you, a lot of people are big fans of John MacArthur, and I am not one of them. Um, John MacArthur is... He, he says some good things. 
Some of the things that he discusses are, are, are good, but John MacArthur has, in my opinion, a bad way with words. And I think his logic is atrocious in many ways. Um, now, this is not only having to do with the fact that he is a strong Calvinist, and I am not, uh, but, but that, that it actually has nothing to do with that. Uh, while our soteriology and how God's sovereignty corresponds with human freedom is worlds apart, um, my problem, that is not my problem with MacArthur. My problem with MacArthur is he takes things to extremes. He takes things to extremes. For instance, uh, in, in uh, the whole strange fire movement, he has alluded that all Pentecostals uh, are, are, um, are, are um, shall we say, demonic, or all Pentecostals are unsaved. The, the fire that they think is from the Holy Spirit, he claims to be demonic. Okay, I think that is a very irresponsible comment. Um, that that is a that is a an extreme generalization, and is something that I th- I take even though I'm not a Pentecostal, I take great offense to that. Okay, now I am I have uh, and and I'll have to explain this. I don't have time to explain it really right now because I want to talk about the the other topic going along with this. But I am a small C charismatic, which means I do believe that God's power is just as strong today. I don't think He has ceased doing miracles. I don't think He has ceased uh, working wonders through the church. I think that has continued. I think when Jesus says, greater works you shall do than me, I don't think he's just talking about the original apostles. I think he's talking to all Christians from all walks of life. And I think we have done ourselves a disservice. I think strong complementarianism uh, can can do a disservice to Christianity. Now, not the weaker versions of complementarian, because I don't want to be accused of doing the same thing that I'm accusing John MacArthur of doing. I don't want to make these hyper-generalizations. Uh, some versions of complementarianism aren't as extreme as strong complementarianism. But a strong complementarianism basically saying that all the gifts ceased with the apostles. I don't think there's any biblical grounds for holding that view. Now, I don't speak in tongues, and I am not a hyper-charismatic by any restricted imagination. Um, and, and certain gifts, uh, I don't know that... Um, I don't know about those, and I'm not going to get into that. But um, I think to lump all Pentecostals and all Charismatics into that same category is very irresponsible on MacArthur's part. He has done a lot of stuff like that through the years, uh, at least through the recent years, and that's why, quite frankly, um, I am not a fan of MacArthur. I am not a fan of John MacArthur at all. I love the man in Christ, you know, and I'll pray for him and, and pray God continues to use his ministry. But these type of comments, I think, are very irresponsible. Well, he's done it again. And this time is is in the whole aspect of uh, complementarianism versus egalitarianism. Uh, he basically told uh, Beth Moore to uh, to go home. He doesn't support women in ministry, so he told her to go home. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole issue of women in ministry, but I do want to I do want to let you know about the different categories uh, as it pertains to the beliefs concerning whether women should serve in ministry or not. Now, and I think this is important to understand this issue. 
Okay, and then I want to get to my main point, which actually is is a little different than what uh, uh, these viewpoints are. So when we talk about complementarianism and uh, egalitarianism, I get the impression, and I may be wrong here. Okay, again, I don't want to I don't want to overgeneralize these these issues either. But I get the impression that John MacArthur may be a strong complementarian. Okay, now there are four versions of this viewpoint. Complementarians believe that there are differences between the sexes and that only men can serve in leadership roles in the church. Now, how strong one holds to that viewpoint determines whether they are a strong complementarian or if they are a mild complementarian or a weak complementarian, if you want to call it that. We'll just call it mild. Strong complementarians believe that men can only men can serve in any leadership role in church. Women cannot serve. Strong complementarians do not hold that women can serve in any capacity where they have authority over a man. Strong complementarians would believe that women should not even lead the choir because leading the choir mean, meant that they would have authority over a man. Strong complementarians would not believe that women could teach a man in a Sunday school class. Even when it comes to uh, mixed classes between uh, uh, couples, strong complementarians would say that women could not teach those classes because they would assume a leadership role over the, uh, over the men of the class. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I am not a strong complementarian at all. And I have reasons for holding to a uh, uh, to a much weaker, well, not weaker, a much milder uh, version. Uh, and, and, and I'm not even going to let you know what viewpoint I hold if you want, because you know, this, this is such a heated, combative testimony, uh, or testimony, a uh, uh, topic that I think that quite frankly, it is one that can't be discussed without people getting, at least in my position as a pastor in the Southern Baptist Church right now, uh, where I couldn't do this, uh, without people becoming very hostile. And that just tells you how, uh, tumultuous this whole situation has become. And it's a shame that we can't have good conversations about issues without people becoming so hostile uh, over over certain particular issues. But anyhow, um, strong complementarians hold that view. A lot of times you're going to see independent fundamentalists. Now, not all independent fundamentalists, but sometimes you'll see some independent fundamentalists holding this uh, to this viewpoint. Mild complementarians believe that women can serve in various aspects of the church, but not in the role of a pastor. Okay, they they think that women can serve in other capacities, just not in the role of a pastor. Um, some some of the mildest versions of complementarians would be, even be open to women serving as deacons. If uh, if the deacon role was to be understood to be one that was um, a, one of a role of service, okay. So mild complementarians hold that women can serve in different capacities in the church, but just not in the role of a pastor, okay. And then you go to the other side of the coin, okay. Then there's the other the other side of the coin, which is egalitarians. Egalitarians believe that uh, women can serve in all functions of the church. Okay, now 
there is a mild egalitarianism and there is a strong egalitarianism. And let me let me explain the difference between the two. The mild egalitarians still hold that men and women hold distinct differences in their genders and in, 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 in sometimes even in their roles uh, in the family. Uh, but mild egalitarians would say mild egalitarians would even say that women could serve in all capacities. However, women are different than men. Okay, they would still hold a difference between uh, a man and a woman in in their roles of gender. They would still hold a difference, but they would say that because of the redeeming grace of Christ and because of what God has done, mild egalitarians would say that women could serve. They may even say that it might be better if men served, but women can serve. So that's the mildest version of egalitarianism. And quite honestly, mild egalitarianism and mild complementarianism are very similar. Just the only difference really is the question of can, could a woman ever serve in the role of a pastor? Mild egalitarians would say yes. Mild complementarians would say no. Strong egalitarians hold that there really are no differences between men and women. That women can serve uh, in any capacity of the church and women and men are equal. They may even say that there are no differences between genders in their roles whatsoever. So these are the various viewpoints of uh, of uh, this this controversy, and like I said, I I'm not going to give my viewpoint on it. I don't feel comfortable doing so in such a medium as this. Um, I don't feel feel comfortable, um, you know. And that doesn't mean I'm one side or the other. I just don't feel comfortable talking about giving my viewpoint on this issue. And some people will say I'm copping out. Well, I mean, you can say that, but in my role as a pastor right now, I just don't feel comfortable in an open medium like this uh, uh, doing so. Um, but having said all of that, people have different viewpoints, and people feel very passionate about their viewpoints. And that's part of the reason why I don't feel comfortable talking about my viewpoints on this issue, because there are some people who are strong, strongly in passionate and blazoned carrying the complementarian uh, complementarian banner and there are others who are strong uh, and passionate about carrying the egalitarian banner but here's my problem and this is really the core issue at hand and this is a problem i have with macarthur with the way he discussed the whole issue of beth moore telling her just to simply go home that uh, it was very dismissive here's the problem in all of this no matter what perspective you hold we must remember that love must be at the center of all we say and all we do. If you don't have a love for other people, then you don't need to be in ministry. Just period. If you don't care, if you if you view people as being merely a, a means to an end, and if you view people as being playthings and things that can be manipulated to get your own way, then you don't need to be in ministry. Quite honestly. If you view, if you view, um, if if uh, if you're not willing to listen to what people have to say, then theology may not be for you. Quite honestly, everybody's a theologian. Quite honestly, but if you're not willing to listen and, and at least uh, hear the other perspective and, and work through these issues, maybe you're not going to agree with everybody. Maybe you're not going to agree with a person on on this issue, and that's fine. 
But we must remember Ephesians 4.15 tells us that we must speak the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. Listen, this is why I love the Moravian quote so so well. In fact, it came from a, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Meldinius. I think it's Rupert, Rupert it's Meldinius who, um, who who gave this quote uh, back whenever there was the Thirty Year War in uh, Thirty Years War in Europe, and he said something comparable to this. He said, um, "In in differences." We have, um, in essentials, excuse me, in essentials, we have uh, unity. That in Christ we're united on the on the core essentials of the faith. But in differences, we have liberty. We have the ability to disagree. But in all things, we must have charity. So that means that we must have love for other individuals. And I don't know why in the world, in, in the modern church, that we think it's acceptable to dismiss and to treat one another so egregiously. It, it just baffles my mind, quite honestly, how we do even that. And in the role of theology and apologetics, we speak of 1 Peter 3.15, but we don't read the entire verse. So he goes on to verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, he says. But Peter says, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, being ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. That is the apologetic banner that we give a, a, a defense for any to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in us. But remember verse 16, Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. My whole point in this podcast today is that we must learn the art of being able to still love one another even though we may disagree with one another on certain aspects. The problem, our, our problem is that we don't know, it isn't that we don't know how to agree. Our problem is that we don't know how to disagree successfully in a loving fashion. And my problem with MacArthur on this as I said, I'm not going to get into my viewpoints on the, the egalitarianism versus complementarianism. I don't feel that this is the appropriate means to do so. Maybe one of these days I'll mention my viewpoints on this. But right now in the role that I play, I don't feel that, uh, that I'm at liberty to say, to give my viewpoints on this issue. Because of the fact that people are so impassioned, uh, are so impa- are passionate about these issues, I don't feel, I don't feel inclined to do so. But my issue is, is that we must learn to treat one another with kindness and with love. And for Christian leaders to go, and listen, there's a guy who has the, uh, the, the, the what's his name? I can't think of his name. The guy who has the wretched program. He, he's jumping right in there too, calling names and doing all these type of things. We've got to learn how to treat one another with love, respect, and compassion. Because remember 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, how we forget that. 
We all feel like we're crusaders. We all feel like we have a chip on our shoulders that we have to to um, to, to defend every aspect of our viewpoint at all, at all costs. But understand, the essentials of Christianity are the hills worth dying on, not necessarily secondary and tertiary, and especially not quaternary issues. I was talking with a lady, and we were talking about this issue, and I drew, I, I draw a map, I drew, draw four circles, and, and, and indicate that uh, the, the primary essentials of Christianity are those things found in the Apostles' Creed, and the secondary doctrines are, are our interpretations of how those doctrines fit together. And the third level are the uh, applications of those interpretations. And the fourth level, if you even want to call it a level, is uh, it consists of our opinions. And as, as we were talking about this issue, I said, she asked, she said, well, what level would this doctrine be? I said, this disagreement is a third level doctrine. It's an application. You know, it's okay, it's perfectly fine for MacArthur to disagree with Beth Moore and her ministry. That's well and good. But to be disrespectful and to speak in an unloving fashion, that's where I have a problem with John MacArthur. So I pray for MacArthur, I pray for Moore, I pray for everybody who's been impacted by this discussion and impacted by this. Because listen, there have been people uh, of, of various walks who have been um, hurt by this issue because of various beliefs and so on and so forth. We've got to learn 1 Corinthians 13 that, listen, there exists faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these gifts is love. Paul talks about all these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, but he says pursue the greater gift, and in 1 Corinthians 13, he describes what that greatest gift is, and that is love. We, as an American church, have forgotten our first love, our love for Christ, and we have forgotten also that the love that we have for Christ should exude from the pores of our being as we seek to in and by our love for one another. If you don't have a love for people, don't expect them to listen to your theology unless they're just wanting some hate-driven thing. But unfortunately, that's what we see a lot in modern Christianity. And for me, I think that's very disturbing because people are not going to care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. We live in a dark, dark world, friends. People need to see the light of Christ tempered with the salt of Christ as we speak the truth in love. So that's my problem. That's my issue with this whole discussion is that we have forgotten the two most important commandments of all. Having love for Christ and having love for one another. At least that's the way I see it. Well, anyhow, you've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we hope to see you back the next time. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com 
are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash bellatorchristi. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristi.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.